0: Ask guitar on a Thursday. Yesterday I'm in Florida and then you get on one of those things with the wings and you jet home and bang <laughs> I'm back here. It's incredible. I mean, I, this technology stuff is going to catch on. Market call, Thursday, Nov 17. I mean, we are flying through this month, people. Next week is Thanksgiving. OMG. <laughs> You'll see Elizabeth Young in the set. Hello, EY from SoFi. And check this out. We got John Butters from FactSet in just a few minutes. I was winding him up before the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet Financial Data and Analytics that are powered by tomorrow. And of course, SoFi, Elizabeth, get your money right all in one app. Now, you'll notice, peeps, that Dan Nathan is not here. Dan Nathan is like Antigua or Anguilla or one of those sort of shishi islands that I'm probably not allowed on. Clearly, he is. So he will not be joining us. So, as the saying goes, when the cat's away, the aforementioned mice shall play. And you got two of them right here. Hello, EY. <laughs>
1: the best mice on the block. Yeah, I damn straight. This is the last Thursday before Turkey Day. And I have uh, no, a question. Stop. Okay. Wait, I got a stop question it. for our no, viewers. Just,
0: I'm begging you to stop. What did so, you just I say? Say it day? again because I didn't. My IFB came out. Turkey
1: Day. <sighs> turkey Day. Is that one of your phrases? I can't. Okay. So Santa yeah, Claus rally. One.
0: Santa Claus so, rally. So, you know, that turkey one was when it, You come back from work on Monday, <laughs> and there's always some asshole at the at, on the desk. How was your turkey day? And I can't say what my typical reaction would be because, you know, proper decorum prohibits me. It's Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. How was your Thanksgiving? Happy hump day. Those are the same people. TGIF, (laughs) you know, it's just like, stop. Yeah.
1: I hear you. All right. Okay, fine. This is the last Thursday before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. My question to our viewers, and I'm serious about this. I'm hosting this year. I need a good stuffing recipe. I'm not kidding. Last year, I made one. It had chestnuts in it. As much as I love chestnuts roasting on an open fire, I don't like chestnuts in my stuffing. But it was this yeah. big hyped-about New York Times recipe. Anyway, somebody send me a good stuffing recipe. I'm all ears. That's okay, all so
0: I'm going to help you out a little bit here. I would go, there's got to be some Italian deli or like butchers around you someplace. You live in a pretty swank neighborhood. <laughs> Get yourself a pound of pork sausage, uh, uh-huh. sweet, and a pound of spicy Uh You know, chop that up, put Uh that in and put that right in the stuffing along with whatever else you want. And you're going to kill it. People would be like, oh, my goodness, Elizabeth, what's in your (laughs) stuffing? And you'd be like, I can't tell you. It's secret.
1: OK, and here we are. The mice play. We're three, four minutes into the show. I haven't talked about finance at now,
0: all. <laughs> speaking of secrets, I don't know what this Bullard character is up to, but he's apparently saying, you know, everything we're doing is not really working. I don't know what he's looking at, but I mean, gas prices, in ter- not in terms of the pump, let's just be, but gas prices in terms of futures contracts, lower than they were before the Ukraine-Russia war started. I mean, a number of things have crashed, shipping rates, I mean, right before your very eyes, Everything is coming lower. So this is my take, EY. I I mean, I think he believes this to a point, but I also think that he wants, you know, the market's given them enough cover where they can continue to speak hawkishly uh, and then maybe act differently. But they can continue the rhetoric, given the fact that the market found some footing in the middle of October. Thoughts on that.
1: I would agree with that. And I would add that I think what they don't want to happen is for the market rally to get too far ahead of itself. That then when they come back and say, you weren't listening, Mm -hmm. that we fall apart and market functioning doesn't work as it should because nobody wants to save it, right? They don't want to have to come in and save anything because that completely reverses everything that they've just done. So I think they're trying to keep the market in some kind of range that still can digest further hikes, because obviously we're going to have more. They might not be as big, but we're going to have more. I think his comments are just, I mean, you know, if you look at the inflation numbers, all right, so we're just below 8%. Yeah, that's a limited effect in the observed data for now. But as we go forward, it's going to continue to come down more and more. I think the bigger story now is the fact that, as you mentioned, other data points are cracking. We know that layoff announcements continue to roll in. So at some point, I think before the end of the year, you're going to start to see that in the labor data. And then you see the economic data really show stress. Now, a market trading at 17.4 times forward earnings, Uh I think is going to have to reevaluate itself when we realize that the economy does still have to crack. And that just doesn't make sense at these levels.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting, you know, you had jobs numbers this morning. I mean, they still suggest that, You know, although you hear it seemingly every day we hear about layoffs from not insignificant companies, it's not manifesting itself yet in the data. And that's got to leave them, I would imagine, scratching their head because clearly that's something. And I hate to say it, obviously, as a citizen, but, you know, that's something they want to start to grind higher. I don't think they want to see unemployment rate go up a percent. Over the course of a month, but I think they want to see it tick by tick, slowly make its way higher, and again to help them combat the, the inflation that they crave for years and years. But it's not, it's not in those numbers yet. Now maybe it all happens at once, and you know maybe it's a post-holiday thing where you know you have into the holidays job hiring phenomenon. I don't know, and then post-holidays it all comes crashing down. But the jobs market is. Um, I would submit it's it's very sticky right now. I mean it's it's it yeah. seems to want to hold in there.
1: All right, well, two things on that. If let's just imagine a hypothetical situation where a recession starts and you can look at this over long periods of history, the unemployment rate spikes after the recession begins and actually many times after the recession ends. That's when you hit the peak in unemployment. So it is one of the last things that actually shows that stress. Second point I would make on that is the layoff announcements we've heard have been mostly from tech companies. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of tech companies out there and the numbers that we've heard so far are not nearly big enough to really take a bite out of the overall employment picture. The other thing is there's, I think, a process that's going to begin in tech and it's going to start... Maybe now it's already started, but it's going to continue with a fury where we have an MA cycle and we have a lot of financial transactions and this consolidation phase where you actually have companies in tech that are still pretty healthy and can scoop up those employees that have been laid off. Because the numbers that we saw today, these are initial jobless claims and continuing claims. Those are for the weeks ending November 12th and November 5th. So some of that is still backward looking. Also, it requires people to actually go claim unemployment, right? right? If they are confident that they can get another job in a couple of weeks, they're probably not going to claim unemployment. So it might not show up there until it starts to get Bigger, worse, or spread into other industries. Well, if you
0: think about what you and I'm a hundred percent in accord with what you said, but if you think about that, it's not going to be a situation until it becomes one, right? And that's yep. why the tools that they use to monitor, the, again, I think they're just, I think they're looking at the wrong things. But that's for another conversation. One thing we have talked about for a while, and I know we've said it here. You know, I've thought the twos tens would invert to the tune of about negative seventy five basis points. I thought it would manifest itself somewhere around four and a quarter in two year and three and a half percent in the 10 year and we're getting damn close and you know you put out a tweet on the twitter machine earlier deepest twos tens inversion since 1981 i will tell you in 1981 if that's now before you know let's say december of 1981 i'm a senior in high school I am kicking ass. I just got off the gridiron at a great season. I'm crushing people on the basketball court. I remember 81 like it's yesterday. Clearly. I mean, you know, I mean the glory day shit notwithstanding, but that's 41 freaking years ago. I mean, this is significant. And again, I say it all the time. I'm not an economist. I'm not smart enough. And I'm not humorless enough to be one, but I got to tell you something. This does not augur particularly well going forward. You like that, right? uh, and that's a I dig hope I'm all not the e- <laughs> No, you're not an economist. Yeah. No, you're you're a strategist. Know. You know why I know that? You how do you know that I know that you're a strategist? Tell me, it's right.
1: Because I have a sense
0: of humor. <laughs> well, no, yes, but it says under Liz Young. Check. Strat- it says at Liz Young. What? Strat. Which is short yes. for strategist. So look at the big brain on swizzle here. Anyway, I mean, please.
1: You've outdone yourself. I was an embryo in 1981, so I can't say that I recall okay. this you know, I'm, or I'm, that I was living you. out my Appreciate glory days. <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually got mad at me on Twitter yesterday. for I, I was on CNBC and somebody got mad about the fact that I wasn't around in the 70s. Um And I'm not sure if I apologize for that. There's nothing <laughs> what, to apologize for. <laughs> it, was, it was an odd Tweet. Anyway. Um, okay. Yes. Twos, tens, inversion. First of all, you were bang on about this. And you know what's great is sometimes when you make those calls, and I say this you as in the collective you, mm-hmm. you make a call early enough that sounds completely outrageous and people just kind of brush it off like whatever, he, you know, he's catastrophizing or, or whatever the <sighs> case is. And then it comes true and it almost, I mean, when it happens to me, it almost surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I thought that was catastrophizing a little bit, but look at that, it happened. This is something not to ignore. Now, bulls and bears both have to look at signals that contradict their thesis, but this is one that, I've said this before, when we look back on this time and say, oh my gosh, the twos, tens were inverted for an extended period of time to a meaningful amount. New orders had dropped into contraction territory. Small business optimism had fallen back to COVID levels. And you've got capacity utilization turning down. If we don't go into a recession, I will be surprised. Yeah, All of the warning signs are there. The market warning sign is there. Now, the 2s, 10s inversion, uh, I think some people, and you've made this point too, I think some people might assume that the 10-year coming down is good. Well, it's good for mortgage rates right it might be good for stocks if it was because cpi was coming down with it at the same pace but that is not the case the 10 came down because people started to get scared started to realize that this might not actually be headed in the right direction
0: yeah and that's what carter worth talks about as well and obviously he charts these things but if you just look at it if you think about it intuitively 10 year yields coming down is not meaning it doesn't mean everything is good and it doesn't necessarily mean the fed's job is complete it means there's a growth scare and that's happening across a swath of economies now. Now it's manifesting itself in ten year yields. The problem is, you know, two-year yields are going to be sticky. And I could I could see an environment where, you know, two years start to tick back up to four and a half percent and they continue yeah. to go the other way. And you know, I can't speak to what a one percent inversion means at these levels, but again, it's not particularly good. And three and a half percent makes a lot of sense. Dan has been trading vis-a-vis Visa, gov G O V T. Or the TLT, you know, the TLT is having a little bit of a rough day today, but I still think the TLT has a chance to get back up to 110. And I think that would be suggestive of yields at about 3.5%. And again, in the short term, yeah, maybe that's good for stocks, I guess. Um, But I think when people realize what's going on, I think they'll say, wait a second, we're in a growth slowdown. So to your earlier point, what's the right multiple in a slowing economy? I don't think it's 17.5%. As a matter of fact, I would submit it's probably closer to 15. And we have overshot over the years in terms of PEs. And we have seen the multiple contract down to almost a 14 handle. And again, I don't know if we're getting down there, but you start to do the math. The market's had a nice run. We'll pull up an S&P chart again real quick just to look at it. You know, we we talked about on October, I want to say uh, 13th, 14th, and again on the 17th. That was a Thursday, Friday, and again on that Monday. We said, look, the setup here suggests the same thing that we saw back in June when the market went from, I want to say 3470 or so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm losing, we're 3,700 up to 4,200. We nailed that one, traded right up to 200-day moving average. Again, we saw VIX back in October 13th, 14th that was channeling or right either side of 34. We said historically, meaning over the last year or so, that's been an opportunity to buy stocks. That's come to fruition I think the market is exhausting itself here. Now, the only thing, and speak to this, because I don't really know, and if I swear to God, you would uh, at some point utter Santa Claus rally, I might just leave. <laughs> I know you're going to do it just to annoy me.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, then I'd a, get a solo.
0: There's a seasonality <laughs> aspect to this. Is there any truth to that? I mean, as we're getting into Thanksgiving, you know, market forces could take over regardless of what's going on.
1: Yeah, look, okay, seasonality. And, and this is in my, my blog post this week. Seasonality has a place in analysis. I mean, I think it's something that we should note. I don't think it has that much predictive power. And I think the economic cycle. really overpowers everything. So seasonality in a normal year where it's kind of unremarkable and we're chugging along and the economy is fine, sure, seasonality is gonna have a force. Also, midterm elections usually are a force that drive a rally afterwards. I think we're getting to the point where the rally after the midterm is probably done. We've now ended up again with likely a lot of gridlock until the next presidential election. Markets tend to like gridlock, but when you look into 2023, probably not a lot is going to happen. We might get a pretty active lame duck session and the market could or could not like that. But look, gridlock probably paves the way for a better 2023 than it does 2022. Seasonality into the holiday season, this is my opinion. When you look at just the industry groups that perform well, in November, you see retail do really well. Mm -hmm. In December, not so much. You see services do pretty well. I will tell you this, so far in November, retail has not been doing that great. You've got completely different industry groups leading the pack. Uh, Semiconductors, durables and apparel, and materials are the top three industry groups so far in November. So already the seasonal patterns are not the same this year. I would not look to that. I won't mention what the rally is called. I would not look to that either as something to expect into the end of the year. I think that we are going to see weakness in the economy Companies are going to come out with guidance for 2023 that is not great. And we're going to have to admit, again, that above 17 times on earnings Mm -hmm. is not the right place to be.
0: Let's pull up that XRT chart because it it is interesting. Again, I mean, this looks like the S&P chart to a certain extent, but traded up to the 200-day. And it feels, I shouldn't say that, it looks as though it exhausted itself there. And I'll just mention one other thing. And I saw, by the way, if you guys want to pull up Liz's slide, the one that says Santa Claus rally, just to sort of <laughs> burn my ass, go ahead and do it at, you know, at your leisure. But I'll, there it is. Shopping for optimism, Santa. You, I know, again, because I know you so well, when you wrote that, you were lolling. You were lolling out loud. You were saying this is going to annoy the shit out of him. And you were right which I, which I love by the way, yeah. just, it's another but My reason- point,
1: my point on it was that it actually has no predictive power. No. I said it holds as much power as sell in May and walk away, <laughs> which is coincidental at best. Okay. Again, that's it. You that's just, you really so pulling out all the,
0: you. you're, you're like, you pulling out all the oldies here. Anyway, yeah. quickly, the XRT chart. Um, You think about it, we're talking about consumer credit card debt now that's north of a trillion dollars. It's gone up complete debt. Overall debt in this country is now Going up a trillion dollars, I think, in a year, and we're approaching five trillion dollars in a rising interest rate environment. I mean, this does not lend itself, I don't think, necessarily to a great environment for retailers, but we'll see. I mean, you've had some good reports, yeah. you've had some lousy ones. So let's look, take a look at Target, for example, because this is Target specific, I think, in a lot of ways. They just haven't figured it out. I mean, they're zigging when they should zag. You know, everybody, and I'm one of these people, you know, you try to give them the benefit of the doubt. You say on valuation, they're cheaper. Than Walmart. And I'm not looking for you to play stock market here in individual names, but no, the last Target quarter two days ago was an absolute disaster, an unmitigated yeah. disaster. And they continue yeah. have not to have figured things out. And I'll say this everybody was championing the Walmart quarter. It wasn't such a great quarter. They beat on lowered guidance. It was fine, um, but it doesn't suggest that things are all that much better. I think what's going on in Target, this is just my opinion. I think they find themselves in the middle ground of retail, which is not where you want to be. You know, people are going, I think people are going to the Dollar Gens and the Walmarts and on the other side of the coin, the, you know, I think the, the high end consumer is still shopping and Target gets middled and you don't want to be middled, especially in the current environment. I don't know if you have thoughts on just that thesis. I'm not looking for you to talk about those stocks.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a guy dami. That oh, song stuck in the that. middle with you. That's all I can do. That's by the head. way.
0: Hold on a second. I will give you a hundred dollars. And if somebody wants to come on know. in the comments, ask me who is it? the lead singer of Steelers oh. Wheel? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, that would be Jerry Rafferty. Now, just so you understand <laughs> each other something, folks. We didn't we don't rehearse this, as you can probably <laughs> tell. I didn't know she was gonna say stuck in the middle with you, which led me to Steelers Wheel which led me to Jerry Rafferty. Right down the line, by the way, a Jerry Rafferty song, great tune. There are two Jerry Rafferty songs on my 800-song <laughs> Spotify playlist. Anyway, please continue, because you did it, I didn't. Anyway, back to you.
1: I did, sorry, everybody. All right, yeah, you're right. I, don't, I can't talk about individual names, but I'm going to right now. <laughs> so, uh, look, the Target and Walmart thing is actually pretty interesting to me, because the report from Target was that demand had slowed, and that's why their earnings quarter was bad. You look at Walmart's report, and it was that everything was still okay. They benefited from inflation and they actually expanded share across segments. Here is my theory. I think you're probably right. This is similar to the stuck in the middle theory. My theory is that some of the excuses that people are making for Target are that, oh, it's a higher end consumer. Um, They're buying less discretionary items, yada, yada, yada. Now, I haven't shopped at Target in a while because I don't live in the suburbs anymore and it's difficult to carry 75 rolls of toilet paper home in my arms. But when I did shop at Target, I bought things like toothpaste and toilet paper and tissues and staples, right? Things like that that you still got a pretty good deal on. So I wasn't going there for discretionary items. I, I need toothpaste and toilet paper and tissues, all those things. I think what's happening is that people are getting squeezed in other parts of their lives. They haven't necessarily pulled back on spending yet, but they're getting squeezed because of inflation. So they're choosing to buy certain things at a place where they can get a better price. So it's like, look, I'm not going to stop buying tissues, but if I can get them for 50 cents cheaper at Walmart, I'm going to do that. So I think there's just been this transfer of customers from maybe the targets of the world to things like Dollar General and Walmart, where people can save money on some of the stuff without stopping their spending. So I would expect that as we get into Q4 earnings season, that we're going to start to hear about a slowdown in spending everywhere. And then it's not these conflicting messages about one company doing better and the other one not doing so well, because demand
0: will just slow across the board. We got a question from Wild Wendell. I mean, people on Twitter are nuts. Pull up an Alibaba chart. And as we pull this chart up, let me give you an example of what wishful thinking is. Wishful thinking is the 80-year-old dude in Costco that's buying 24 rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) That is wishful thinking. Just saying. I will tell you, it wasn't wishful thinking back on October 24th. I know the date. Because Alibaba traded down to $58, I think 31 cents, traded north of 100 million shares. And we said on that day, this was your capitulation. This is a stock that since Halloween of 2020 has gone from 312 all the way down to 58. It's been a disaster. But at least seven times along the way, there have been 35 to 50% rallies from the bottom. And I said, we're setting up the same setup we saw in July when the stock rallied 40% over two and a half trading sessions. Well... Check it out, Wild Wendell. Uh, I think you look right now, I think Alibaba's trading 84 bucks. They reported earnings today. Earnings that were very good, by the way. Alibaba was up meaningfully this morning on a tape that was doing miserably. I still think there's a chance it gets to a 90 handle and we'll see. But if you've enjoyed this run, the smart thing to do is take the money and run, which is a shitty Steve Miller song. Steve Miller, of course, from the wonderful state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin with that, because, you know, we got to bring in the aforementioned John Butters. Now Dan gets on me because he says, you got to say John Butters because, because facts <laughs> it clips these things. And, and I'm like, why? I mean, it's Butters, man. We've, we, we made him a freaking legend. Hall- Halloween. <laughs> Thanksgiving is next Thursday. I'll say it again. JB, are you there? Because people are going to be, they're not going to call you John or uncle Jugger uncle john or dad they're going to just say butters they're going to be like you know this is fantastic that's all they say now but you know that's what my <laughs> friends
2: have taught me that my whole life so it's really not it's i'm kind of used to it at this point but you guys so are wait, wait adding, a you're telling
0: me that i that i don't i can't stake claim to this i can't be like john dutton and put a flag in the middle of montana and say i own all this shit no well, where I
2: grew up, no. But outside of that, the vast yeah.
0: reach of uh, of the show here, you've definitely spread the name. So, By the way, Backstreets, I will tell you, is yeah. my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. Far and away. Yeah. And Born to Run is not in the top 15 or 20. But that's not what we're here for. Earnings Insight. Slide it, Earl. And let's take a look at this. Because once again... You've outdone yourself, JB. Talk to me about this. I mean, this speaks to a lot of the things that we're saying. I mean, all the things that we've been talking about seemingly are coming to fruition in the next couple of slides.
2: Yeah, so we've had one of the weakest earning seasons outside of the first quarter of 2020 when COVID started to hit in terms of the performance versus estimates. So overall, 69% of the companies beat the estimates, which again, at a headline number, that looks like a good number. But the five-year average is 77%. The 10-year average is 73%. So we're below average on the number and even worse on the magnitude. So overall, companies beat the estimates by 1.8%. Again, well below the five-year average of 8.7%, well below the 10-year average of 6.5%. And that number was really brought down by a number of the large misses we saw this quarter. I won't run through all the names, but Alphabet, Meta Platforms Mm -hmm. is a number of them. uh, And that helped to drag the overall surprise percentage down. And because of that, the growth rate as of today is about 2.3%. And we'll, I was just going to say, we'll touch on that in that slide. But coming into earnings season, we are looking for 2.6%. So it looks like at this point, we're not going to surpass the growth rate we had coming into earnings season. And that's only happened once in the past 10 years. And again, it was the aforementioned first quarter of 2020. So very rare that with the companies beating, we don't get a growth rate higher than what we had coming into the earnings season.
0: And that mm-hmm. just speaks to the weakness. So JB, get ready, because I'm going to ask you this question next. But EY, I'm going to ask you. So given this and given everything we've talked about today and over the last few months, I mean, what's the right multiple in this environment, in a slowing environment? What's the right multiple for the S&P? And again, we, we can quibble over what earnings are going to be. Let's just give it $220 worth of earnings. Again, you know, a 14, 15 multiple on that in this environment, I don't think is out of the question.
1: I don't think so either. Look, the 15-year average multiple on the S&P is 15.8 times. Keep in mind that 15-year average includes about 10 years of very, very low, if not zero rates. So I think it's a little bit below that. If we're entering a slowing growth period, we're already in it. But if we continue it and rates are still rising, we've got a terminal rate about 5% as, as much as the market expects right now in May, June of next year. So that means we've still got six months ahead of us of rising rates, slowing growth, and a current P.E. of 17.4. I think we could easily get down to 15.
0: Yeah. And let's take a look at John's next slide. And John, before you speak to that again, what do you what's your thoughts on the multiple in this environment? Because I still think, as does EY, the market's a little rich here.
2: Yeah, like we mentioned, the, the 10-year average is 17. So we, we are at the 10-year average right now. But we just came back up to that in the last couple of weeks. If you look at the start of the earnings season, we were at 15. And with prices coming up, future estimates coming down, that's gotten us to that 17. And what's interesting is, if you look at the estimates for 2023, like we we're talking about, back on September 30th, $250 per share. Or excuse me, June 30th was 250 per share, come down to two to September 30th, they're down to 240 Today, we're down to 232 So that number just keeps coming down. And you see that reflected in these growth rates here. So already for the fourth quarter, we're now looking for a year-over-year decline in earnings of about 2%. And for the first half of next year, very slight growth, uh, less than 2% for each of the next two quarters. And those numbers continue to come down as well. So it's been a really sharp drop from where we were just back on June 30th. You can see those light blue bars, 10% growth expected across the board, now down to a decline in Q4 and very small single-digit growth in the first half of 2023.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, again, I think a lot of these things make sense. And I'd said it before about being an economist. I, know, I don't know if we're in a recession or we've been in one, we're going, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't necessarily matter. But what I will tell you, EY, categorically is we're absolutely either in an earnings recession or about to embark upon one. And again, it takes time to get out of these things. It's not a bad thing. I mean, this is just part of the cycle. Yeah. But speak, I mean, I think people conflate the two. I would submit an earnings recession is is probably what's needed and probably what's going to sort of get us reset going forward.
1: Yeah, well, also, stock prices tend to follow earnings. So this this earnings recession, I think, right now is just finally coming to fruition. Now, people like us have been talking about earnings needing to contract for a while. And as we've said many times, when you're early, you're just wrong. But now it's finally happening. And as it spreads through other sectors, stock prices are likely to wise up to that and come down to meet it. Now, do we need that in order to reset everything? Yes. I mean I've I've long believed that we just need to reset the cycle. And that's what a recession does. Now, of course, there's pain in a recession. There's pain in this in the market. There's pain in employment. There's pain in a lot of places. But it also resets the cycle, shakes everything out, and we start again on the other side, usually in a much more balanced position. And we can make different decisions, both on a monetary policy Uh, front and on a corporate front about how we want to spend our money. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. And although I do think there will be a recession in 2023, I don't think it needs to be terrible. It just needs to happen and get it over with.
0: Keep that pain word in your mind for a second. We got some cat named Mickey rat. I mean, is this, (laughs) is that what your parents named you? They had this beautiful, let's name John, let's name him Mickey rat. Anyway, He asked, can you guys cover more semis? Um, Sector looks weak, but had some important news with Warren Buffett news. Yes. So Warren Buffett took a meaningful stake in Taiwan Semi. A lot of people, myself included, think Taiwan Semi is probably one of the 10 most important companies in the world. And the takeaway I had from that is Warren Buffett clearly is not concerned about the China-Taiwan potential situation, because if he was, he wouldn't be jumping into Taiwan Semi. Taiwan Semi is still reasonable on valuation, I think it's probably the most important semi-company out there. But again, pull up an NVIDIA chart real quick before we 5,000, because we talked about it last night on CNBC's Fast Money. The report came out. This is a stock that had rallied 55% in a month from the lows that we saw in, I think, late October. Um, And now here we are, trading north of 163. That wasn't a great quarter. It wasn't great guidance. And you're talking about a company that seemingly is having trouble With margins, that's no bueno in this environment. It's a great company. It just happens to be an expensive company. Remember I said, what did I say? What word did I say to remember? Like like pain. Typically, as you get towards Thanksgiving, that's when the NFL, you separate the wheat from the chaff. And I don't know what that means because I didn't freaking grow up on a farm, but I think what it means, there's something (laughs) called chaff and that's the shit that you don't want and you want the wheat. Well- As it turns out, the Packers of Green Bay, which have been a perennial powerhouse now, three and six as we enter this week, and they got to do a lot of winning EY. So my question to you and Butters, this is coming to you as well. Do you feel the pain? Are you still one of those optimistic people that puts that stupid cheddar cheese thing on your head? Thoughts?
1: I mean, I'm going to put the cheddar cheese thing on my head because it's just fun to do. But uh, Butters actually said this to me before the show. He said, big win for your Packers this weekend. And I said, what was my response, John? It was, might be the only one. Well,
0: that's unfortunate because you're paying that quarterback a load of money. Now, JB, (sighs) what is your team of choice in the league where they play for pay? Uh, So I'm in the Boston area,
2: so I'm a Patriots fan. So we looked at the schedule. I took a look at the schedule the next couple of weeks and I'm in the Liz camp. The optimism isn't there. The, they, they might be lucky to get two or three wins the next eight. They got a tough schedule coming up.
0: Yeah. Well, they got the jets at home this week. I mean, people have the jets going the friggin' super bowl jet fans are out of their collective minds. I mean, settle down people. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to the playoffs first and then we'll talk about a super bowl super bowl, by the way, that you haven't visited since 1969. If memory serves that, of course, Joe Namath, Jerry Philbin, um, people like that. That's a great poll by me. uh, Emerson Boozer, Matt Snell. I mean, I'm dropping shit left and right, but that's it. I'm a giant fan and I got to tell you, you something. Are? I'm a, oh, I'm kidding. I'm a happy giant <laughs> fan. <laughs> no, it's, yes. You must be ecstatic then. Yeah, I'm okay, so. Thrilled. Ear to ear, baby. Giants, Rangers, Knicks, Yankees. Uh, I'm not optimistic about Aaron Judge, but we'll see the Rizzo signing might augur well because they're buddies, but that's it. Nobody cares what I think about the Yankees. I dig you all. EY from SoFi, you know, I completely dig you. Butters, see, I just said it and people are like, man, that's so cool. That's it for Market Call. I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet and SoFi for bringing you today's show. If you like what you saw, like the video, leave a comment, subscribe to Risk Reversal Media on the YouTube. Check out the On The Tape podcast. Get ready for it, Dan at your favorite podcast store that's so dumb i'll be back on monday one o'clock with the aforementioned dan nathan later